to read something to you that I think expresses my sentiment toward much of what's, what's going on. Uh, this was written by a good friend of mine, uh, Bobby Hill, in uh, the Denver, uh, Colorado area in Lakewood. Uh, so uh, Bobby was a good friend. His dad was a, a, a good friend, a mentor. And I, I praise God for both of these men. Uh, Bobby uh, works for uh, is associate pastor in a church out in Denver. And this is what Bobby had written yesterday on Facebook, and so I asked him if I could quote him. Uh, these are not my words, these are Bobby's, but I, I got to tell you, they definitely express my sentiment uh, of all this going on. Bobby writes, I have no hope in solving COVID, getting the country back on its feet, or electing or defeating Trump or any other transient hope for that matter, because they are incapable of fulfilling my heart's deepest longings and desires. I need far more than a better economy and the freedom to move about. No amount of wealth and prosperity will begin to give me what I desire. Even family and friends fall far short of what I long for and desire. My deepest longings and desires are to be overwhelmed and delighted with God's infinite and everlasting love, to experience completely restful peace, and to feel completely valued and desired, desired by the one who created me. My hope is in God alone. He is the rock. All other ground is like shifting sand. Thank you, Lord, for loving me, dying for me, forgiving me, and providing me an eternal hope with you in heaven. Life on earth has pointed me back to you over and over again. You're all I want. You're all I need. You're everything. And although the transition from earth to heaven is scary, I'm getting more and more anxious for that day when I get to see you face to face. I love you. Parentheses, he says, and I feel like I can hear you, Lord, say, I love you more. And I just thought, what a, what a phenomenal sentiment uh, that is, as I read that last, uh, last evening on Facebook. Because it is the Lord Jesus that I desire. Pleasing Him, serving Him, recognizing our calling, focusing on our calling, realizing that our citizenship is in heaven, that we represent heaven, our uh, our position is in the heavenlies. And so as we sojourn here, our heart's desire should be to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that we say and everything we do. Uh, doesn't mean we don't take a stand. Doesn't mean that we don't speak out uh, and, and make our voices heard, for we absolutely do that. I think that's part of, of serving the Lord Jesus. But our satisfaction comes in who we are in Christ, and understanding that heaven is our home. Uh, we've been looking, uh, prior to the, uh, uh, the, the Resurrection Sunday and Palm Sunday, we were looking at First uh, and Second Thessalonians, and so we're going to go back to that study uh, this morning. Uh, I call First and Second Thessalonians the Maranatha books, and Maranatha, by the way, our Lord, our Lord comes. 
Well, these are the Maranatha books. These are the first two epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote, and the doctrine, the important doctrine that uh, he deals with here is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it shows you how important this doctrine is. The first two epistles the Lord uh, gives to him is all about the Lord's coming. So it was important. Uh, as you uh, study the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, we learn that it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. In the volume of the book, it's written of me. So what is Christ? Who is Christ in First and Second Thessalonians? Well, we discovered that Christ in these two books, he is the believer's, the believer's hope. He is the believer's hope. Um, we're living in troublesome and troubling times. Uh, there's much to rant and rave about. Uh, things are very difficult. Uh, there's absolutely evil at work around the world. Satan has his minions, and they are carrying out his, his orders, uh, his, uh, his work. And so uh, we as a church, a body of Christ, we need to do everything we can to, to stand against so much of what's, what's going on. And I think that our defiance and our preaching and our standing for God's word, I, I think is going to help uh, uh, to, to if, if we are living in the last days, which I believe we are, then our defiance, I think that's going to help uh, bring about uh, the, the, Lord's, the Lord's coming. Uh, if, at least we are going to be, if, if these are the last days, then we want to be found waiting and watching and witnessing and carrying out the Lord's, the Lord's work. I uh, want to remind you, uh, as we do that, what God's Word clearly tells us. First uh, Thessalonians, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is the scripture that we're going to be looking at here this morning. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4 says, so that we ourselves glory in you. This is Paul talking to the church in Thessalonica. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all of your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. So here was this church in Thessalonica as Paul is talking to them about the rapture of the church, the coming of the Lord. Uh, he's recognizing they too had suffering and persecutions and thinking that they were in the last the last days the key to how we live our life is found in verse 12 of that first chapter that the name of our lord jesus christ be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our god and the lord jesus christ so as we take a stand for the things of God, as we take a stand for His Word, as we take a stand for the right to come together and congregate and worship Him, we want to do all of this so that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is glorified. Uh, this morning, as we talk about the rapture and, and, the, and the last days and continue 
uh, that study, I'm not going to regurgitate, I'm not going to talk about uh, all of the, the things that we've discussed already uh, concerning uh, the Lord's uh, return or the conditions that we have here in, in these days. Uh, we're not going to talk about the ID 2020, although I, I encourage you to Google that. I encourage you to do some research on the ID 2020 and the, and the push, the incentive to get everyone ID'd with a chip and, and where that leads and how it's connected to the, the vaccine. If by now you don't see uh, the, the conditions and how ripe these conditions are for the rapture of the church, then us going over it again is probably not going to, to bring you to that point. But, uh, so I'm not going to talk about the, the, the global economy and the push for a cashless society and world, the one world government and all of those things that uh, or I think is in the working. And we know that it's the, the God of this world, Satan, who is behind all of that. Uh, and the certification mark that's, that's uh, uh, tied with this ID 2020, all of that is important, and you need to do some research. You need to be aware uh, because uh, the day of the Lord is not going to catch us unaware because we're going to see things of this sort happening, and so we're going to be serving God. We're going to be living for the Lord. We're going to be recognizing the things that are, that are taking place, and so we are going to be uh, serving uh, during, during these times. But as we continue with Second Thessalonians, the believer's hope, uh, again, we need to understand that Paul addresses a false notion that had crept into this church concerning the day of the Lord or the tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, uh, the last days of the last seven years prior to the second coming of Christ. We've talked about uh, the, the difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ and how the rapture of the church, Christ comes in the air and the church, the body of Christ is caught up to meet the Lord in the air. It's our mystery exit. This present dispensation in which we're in was a mystery and our exit is a mystery. The second coming of Christ was no mystery. And the second coming of Christ was foretold. It's prophesied of what's, what's coming. Uh, but, and that takes place seven years after the rapture of the church, after the tribulation period, after the day, the day of the Lord. Well, this group of believers in Thessalonica, they were concerned. They were literally frightened about what was taking place. They had received a letter uh, from someone that told them that the day of the Lord had started. Now, why would they be so concerned about the day of the Lord? Because from God's word, we know that the day of the Lord, or the tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble, is going to be a time such as the world has never seen before. The persecution is intense, but it's the time when God's wrath is poured out on and the sinful and wicked man during that time. God's wrath is being poured out. Fortunately, church, the good news is we find from Scripture and from what Paul was writing to this church in Thessalonica that we as believers, we haven't been appointed to wrath. We haven't been appointed to that time. Uh, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and to wait for the Son from heaven, and to wait for His Son 
from heaven, who he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So we have that promise. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. In the scriptures, the only time God's wrath is poured out is during this tribulation period. As a matter of fact, Revelation 15, 1 tells us that it's during that period of time that God's wrath is poured out in its fullness. It's during that seven-year period, especially the last three and a half years of, of that tribulation period. Uh, but the scripture talks about the day of the Lord. Uh, look at uh, Isaiah chapter 13. Isaiah chapter 13. We read this and we understand why these early believers, these, these young believers, were concerned about the day of the Lord uh, being upon them. When you read this, it is a frightening concept. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 6, says, How? For the day of the Lord is at hand, and it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. The Lord was making sure that these young believers in Thessalonica understood You've not been appointed to wrath. You've not been appointed to the day of the Lord. There sh uh, verse 8, And they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrow shall take hold of them. And they shall be in pain as a woman that travails. And they shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. And the sun shall be darkened in his going forth. And the moon shall not cause her light to shine. Verse 11. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. And will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Verse 13, therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. What great news it is for us who are members of the body of Christ, who by God's grace have been saved, who have been um, placed into the body of Christ, sealed into the day of redemption, that we have not been appointed this day of wrath. Zephaniah, the prophet Zephaniah, in Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14, the great day of the Lord is near. It is near. It hastens greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and the alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men, blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. Uh, chapter 2. 
Well, verse 18, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. Chapter 2 of Zephaniah. Gather yourselves together, yea, gather together, O nation not desired. Behold, the decree bring forth before the day passes shaft, before the fierce anger of the Lord shall come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. Seek ye the Lord, all you meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness, that it may be that you shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Church, body of Christ, we've not been appointed to that day. The rapture of the church takes place and God resumes his working and dealing with the nations, specifically the nation of Israel and all the promises and blessings that God made to Israel are going to be realized during this time. No wonder, as you read that, that these young believers in in Thessalonica were concerned as somebody had written them a letter saying that the day of the Lord was at hand. No wonder they were concerned and wanted Paul to tell them, hey, what's going on? But we've not been appointed to that, and that's what Paul tells them here in 2 Thessalonians. He's already told them in 1 Thessalonians, you've not been appointed to wrath, but he goes into 2 Thessalonians, even giving them more good news. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brother, in verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Our gathering together unto him, that's the rapture. That's us leaving this place as things get really hot and bothered and and going as the world turns further and further away from the Lord Jesus, as the world uh, condition is ripe, gets more and more ripe for this tribulation period, uh, we're, we're blessed with the fact that we're going to be gathered unto the Lord. Verse 2, that you, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, that the day of Christ or the day of the Lord is at hand. Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, talking about the day of the Lord, shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, I have a confession. Um, For years now, I have been teaching in error. I have been teaching in error. And I've promised you that if, if, if Scripture ever comes to light and, and that I've preached in error, uh, I'm going to correct it. But I have been teaching that the, the Greek there, uh, a falling away first, uh, the Greek word there meant departure. It meant departure. Well, this week, there was something that just, I don't know if it was conviction, I know it was the Holy Spirit and direction, that I needed to delve into the Greek aspect of this 
a whole lot more than what I'd, I'd done in the past. And so I started the uh, first part of the week doing more intense study on, on that word. Uh, the Greek there is apostasia. Apostasia. It's only used one other time in the Scripture. Now, I've been saying the apostasia means um, depart. Uh, and the word depart and this, it, it is part of the same root word, but it carries a totally different, goes a totally different direction than the word departure. And in all the places, I have even written down here in my Bible, right, right here, I have all the places where the word departure is used. And, you know, Luke 2.37, Luke 4.13, uh, Luke 8.13, Luke 13.27. I mean, I, I have maybe 20 verses here where the word departure is used. Not one of them is apostasia. Now, what caused me to think it did in studies years ago, I don't know. I even have, have written down that prior to the King James Bible, the Cloverdale Bible, the Kramer Bible, the Geneva Bible, the Breaches Bible, all of those trans, translated that word departure. And I thought, boy, boy, I, that's good because there's going to be a departure first before that man of sin be revealed. And I, I still believe there's going to be a departure. But I don't think we need for this word to be departure. Do I wish it was departure? I really wished it was departure. Because I could go back and preach old sermons. But the word is not departure. It is apostasia. It is apostasy. Let me show you where it's used again um, in math, uh, in uh, uh, Acts twenty one twenty one. Turn with me to Acts twenty one twenty one. And for the record, I still believe in a pre-trib rapture. I still believe that before the man of sin is revealed, before the tribulation, the church, the body of Christ, is caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That uh, the tribulation is the day of the Lord is all part of God's dealings with Israel. The body of Christ has no part in that. So, and and I think there's other scriptures here that we're going to look at that shows that we're going to be uh, raptured. Exciting scriptures that show that we're going to be raptured out. But Acts twenty one twenty one. And they are informed of thee that you teach all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses. Now, guess what word uh, forsake is there? Apostasia. It's apostasia. So you teach all the Jews among the Gentiles to uh, forsake Moses. Well, that's the exact same usage of the same word there in Second uh, uh, Thessalonians chapter chapter 2, verse 3, that except there come a forsaking or a falling away first, apostasia or apostasy. And folks, I got to tell you, as you look at the condition of the emerging church, if you look at the condition of so many of the liberal churches today, there is absolutely a falling away. 
There are churches that are embracing things that are not godly. There are churches that are falling all over themselves to deny the inerrancy of Scripture. Uh, there are churches that are, that are, are preaching such a liberal theolo- uh, uh, theology that they're denying the, the deity of Christ. They're denying the virgin birth. They're di- there is so much apostasy going on in the churches today. I don't have to convince you of that. You know. You know all this taking place. Also fits another scripture that we have to address. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Now that word depart is a totally different word, but it's it's same same root word from apostasia. Uh, it's it's actually aphistomai. And de- departure is uh, translated uh, in, in many, many cases. But some shall depart from the faith. See, we never doubted that that was talking about not a departure being caught up in the rapture, but we always understood that to be an apostasy that's going to be taking place. And that, I think that's, this is taking place in so many churches. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I am convinced that that describes so many of the liberal churches and denominations today, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Uh, But the the point here is this 2 Thessalonians and uh, chapter 2 verse 3 fits with 1 Timothy chapter 4 concerning the apostasy that is going to be so apparent, so apparent that's going to be so active in the last days. Uh, Look at 2 Timothy. Again, talking about, I believe, the condition of the local church. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And this know also, then the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, uh, without self-control, fierce despisers of those that are good. Uh, boy, if this is not the condition of the world. I don't know what is. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. These are conditions that are going to be part of the church, the body. I mean, this is what this condition during this time, not part of the body of Christ, but there's going to be a, a form of godliness 
during, during that time. Uh, and I think we're seeing that today. But let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, uh, apostas, apostasia, an apostasy, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, what's interesting about that is I know some people believe that the, there's only one other person that's called the son of perdition in the Scriptures, and that's Judas. That is Judas. And here this article is definite, the son of perdition. That that's, was Judas. Christ called him that. Uh, look at John 17. John 17, verse 12. John 17, verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gave me have I kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Christ calls Judas the son of perdition. Uh, in John 13, 27. John 13, 27. Should have kept my finger there, John. John 13, verse 27. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. After the supper, Satan entered into Judas. And then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest do quickly. John six seventy. John 6.70 sheds more light on this son of perdition, on Judas that, that Christ chose. John 7. John 6. John 6, verse 70. John 6, verse 70. Then answer them, have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? One of you is a devil. The only other person in history that has ever been called the son of perdition and has been described as demonic was Judas Iscariot that betrayed Christ. Now, do I believe that the beast is going to be Judas Iscariot? No, I don't. But I believe that just as John the Baptist was to be uh, Elijah. Remember in Malachi, it talks about God was going to send Elijah. And in, in Matthew chapter uh, 14, in, in Matthew chapter 14, uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 14, uh, uh, the Lord talks about uh, John the Baptist, and he tells those who are listening, he said that John the Baptist, this would have been Elijah that John the Baptist would have fulfilled that promise of Elijah coming if they had only believed. So, so in the same sense that John the Baptist would have been Elijah had Israel believed, I believe that the beast, the Antichrist, is going to do the exact same thing that Judas Iscariot did 
but on a much larger, grander scale as he is worshipped by, by the world. Uh, when, you, when you read the book of Revelation in chapter 13, uh, when you find out what all he's going to do, uh, it is it's mind-boggling the power and authority that this beast, this Antichrist, is going to exercise during that tribulation period. So Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica. They're scared to death that the day of the Lord is about to happen. And if the day of the Lord happens, that means that the beast, the Antichrist, this son of perdition is going to come. They're concerned about that. And Paul lets them know that there is going to be a falling away. There's going to be an apostasy that's going to be so prevalent during that time before he is revealed. Verse 4, back to 2 Thessalonians who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. During the tribulation period, we know that the beast is going to... the beast is going to sit in the temple, he's going to declare himself to be, to be God, and... Uh, the false prophet is going to be causing the whole world to, to follow after him and to worship him. Well, here it, it tells that that's exactly what's going to happen. And God tells us that when you see the abomination, Christ in Matthew 24, when you see the abomination that makes desolate, he tells the nation of Israel, he tells those believers, you need to head, you need to head out to the wilderness when that takes place. Here is the beast who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sits in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. He claims to be God. We know from scripture that he is going to be wounded unto death. He's going to be assassinated. Satan is going to raise him back up just as Satan entered in Judas and carried out his, his purpose that a similar purpose is going to be taking place with this, this man of sin, this son of perdition. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. So Paul told them something when he was with them. And he says, you know what holds this man of sin. You know what holds this beast. You know what holds this one that's going to be active during the tribulation period. You know what holds him in place. Now, you go to Revelation 13. We find what it is that the beast comes up out of. Remember, he's assassinated. Um, and uh, in, in chapter uh, uh, 13 we find this beast rising up out of the pit. I believe that he is held, this demonic being that fills this, this man, this, uh, this uh, antichrist that's going to be very active the first three and a half years, and then the last three and a half years is when so much of, of uh, the persecution takes place. But it is the pit. When it says... Uh, when. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. What holds the beast is the pit. 
is the abyss. That's where that demonic being is at this, this point. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now holds fast will continue to hold fast until he be taken out of the way. So who's restraining? Who's holding fast? And he's, whoever this is, is going to continue holding fast until he be taken out of the way. Now, a lot of people say, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. Well, we know that it's not the Holy Spirit. Because when the church is raptured, people say, oh, that proves the rapture. Because when the Holy Spirit is taken up, and uh, I mean, when the church is taken up, the Holy Spirit goes too. And it's when the Holy Spirit is out of here, then all the prophecies of, of, uh, of, of the tribulation is going to take place. There's only one really major problem with that. During the tribulation, Holy Spirit's not gone. The Holy Spirit is very active. The Holy Spirit is working. As a matter of fact, what did Christ, when he was preparing the disciples for uh, the tribulation period, what was he going to give them in order to walk alongside them? The paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the comforter. So it's during the tribulation period that the Holy Spirit is going to be so active. So the Holy Spirit is not going anywhere. Now, if the he is the church, the body of Christ, not the Holy Spirit, but if, if the church is what's taken out, and, and I think you can make a case for that, uh, that works for me. But when the, the if, if you want to say that it's the rapture of the church, it's that when he's taken out of the way, that's when all of this is going to start uh, happening, that's great. That's great. I guess you can make a case for that. For the mystery of, but let's read it again. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now holds fast will continue to hold fast until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. I believe that that's Satan. What is Satan holding on to right now? His position in the heavenlies. What is Satan grasping hold on? What does he not want to lose, to turn loose of? God's Word tells us that Satan comes before the throne of God continually making accusation against the brethren. Satan is not in hell. That is not where Satan's dominion, a, a domain is. That's not where his dominion is. As a matter of fact, the lake of fire, hell is the last place that Satan wants to be, and he is going to do everything he can, because he has been down through the ages, trying to thwart the plan of God, the purpose of God, trying not to be uh, sent there. So where is he? He is holding on to that position in heaven. A couple of things. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And again, I think this teaches a pre-tree of rapture because how is it that Satan loses his place in heaven? And God's Word tells us he loses his place. But look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. 
and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven, which means it had been. They had a place there. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceives the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. So I think what Paul is saying to the church in Thessalonica is that you know what's holding the beast fast. It is the, the abyss, the, the pit. That's, that's holding him. He's not able to come forth yet. Then uh, we find out, uh, then will that wicked, uh, verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now holds fast will continue to hold fast until he be taken out of the way. When is Satan taken out of the way? Look at Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Verse 20, Romans 16, verse 20, and I apologize to all those on Facebook, but we're off. Maybe we might just be in Facebook jail. I don't know. If they start preaching truth, it happens. But anyway, uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 20, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. Who's the you are here? It's the body of Christ. Satan and God and the God of peace shall bruise, crush utterly is what that means. Then the God of peace shall crush utterly Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The, the under, it, has, it implies legal subjection. When does the church, the body of Christ, because we know right now that Satan is the God of this world. We know right now what, uh, that he's the prince and power of the air. When is it that the church crushes Satan uh, under our feet? Or uh, that the Lord crushes Satan under our feet? When we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. When we are caught up uh, the rapture of the church, that's exactly when the Lord crushes Satan under our feet. So there you have your pre-trib uh, rapture. That, that All the timing is he's telling this church in Thessalonica, don't be worried that the day of the Lord is not going to happen. There's going to be an apostasy, 
And he describes that in 1 Timothy 4 and in 2 Timothy 3 of all the, the conditions that are going to be taking place uh, on earth during that time, perilous times and doctrines of devils and, and all that that's going to be uh, proclaimed. There's going to be that apostasy. And before the man of sin is, is uh, revealed, uh, he tells him, you know what holds him fast right now. You know what keeps him from coming out and doing uh, his, his, uh, his work on earth. And, and that's the pit, that's the abyss, and that's not going to be relieved. And, uh, uh, he's not going to be released until Satan is cast out of heaven. He comes to earth as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He energizes, he fills this beast, this antichrist, this son of perdition, just as he did Judas. And it's because the church has assumed its position in the heavenlies, at the rapture, at our catching away, uh, Satan loses that position around the throne, accusing the brethren. We take up our position. That's a legal subjection. He, no more room is found for him, and it's Michael and his angels that fight with Satan and cast him out of heaven. Folks, that is not a fairy tale. Folks, that is a thing that is going to take place is going to happen and it happens upon the rapture of the church when we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air and the important thing is that we be ready we be ready and how do you get ready you get ready by faith trusting in the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ you get ready by Believing that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. Realizing that you're a sinner, that you cannot save yourself. There are no works that you can accomplish that's going to make God love you any more than he already loves you in his son. When two occasions where God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. When a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, they become part of the body of Christ. And just as he is well pleased with his son, he is well pleased with those who are in his son. And nothing can separate them from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's the joy of salvation. That's the joy of having that certainty that we are in Christ. That life eternal is a gift from God. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through whom? Through Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. And for us to have that assurance, we do exactly what God tells us to do. That's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you believe is important. You believe that He died for you. You believe that He shed His blood for you. That He was buried. He was raised again. And by faith you trust Him. Then the Holy Spirit does his work to take you and baptize you into the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit takes you and buries you in the body of Christ, seals you until the day of redemption. Then nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. What a Savior that we have.